What's up, Donation? This is Jesse from Plant the Spear, joined by my co-host, Michael. And we got some things to talk about today. I, Michael, I've done a deep dive, or I've at least I've tried to do a deep dive on what is strength of schedule anyway. Everybody yeah. talks about why Florida State got left out of the CFP and all that stuff because you had a, a low strength of schedule and everything. And I've tried to look this up, and I, I've got some pretty interesting notes I want to share with you. We're going to kind of okay. talk a little bit more about that we're going to talk about some of the portal moves if we have enough time we're going to talk about the lawsuit that's come out uh with the florida ag and all this stuff that's going on around this issue so i know there's a lot coming up you got early signing day you got portal moves you got a bowl game coming up in a little bit so we got other things that we got to turn our attention to at some point but for right now i just thought this would make a pretty interesting discussion and some pretty interesting notes that i have so i'm gonna i'm gonna do a, a little bit of extra talking in this one to kind of i just want to share some of these things and get your reaction on them yeah and and you know i feel like at the end of this you know if i haven't done my job if either you or the audience doesn't sit back and at least go you know hmm Hmm. At least make you think. So this is not about, oh, Florida State should have made it in. This is not right. about we got cheated. This is not about putting our tinfoil hats on. This is simply about having an open dialogue about strength of schedule in okay. college football. So with that being said, Michael, I really appreciate you joining me for today's show. How are you, my friend? Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on again, Jesse. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing this. I know you, you've been doing a lot of great research and, and a little a lot of in-depth into this idea of strength of schedule and kind of what goes behind it. And I'm looking forward to really having my mind opened around this so that I can fully understand, you know, what, what is this crazy NASA like calculation to get to the strength of schedule and, and how do we understand it? And how does it get leverage in college football? Because there's no other sport that outside of college football that leverages a strength of schedule, you know, on every other sport, including other college sports, it's about wins and losses, but in right. college football, apparently what we've learned is wins and losses don't matter as much as strength of record, strength of schedule, eye tests and subjectivity. Right. And I think you bring up a good point because Florida state did have the number three strength of record, which is, mm -hmm. you know, what a team would have done against your schedule. So that was there. That was along the lines of what you wanted to see. But the strength of schedule was at 55th. And I tried to do a lot of research because I was like, let me just see how this is even calculated. And from what I could understand, from what I could find, it seems like everybody kind of has their own little formula. Because if you look at, say, and, and I look at things throughout the season, PFF, um, some team ranking sites, ESPN, you look at all these different things and they all kind of have different numbers. Right. So it's like if we're all using the same formula, how do we get different numbers? That's right. the issue. We don't all use the same formula and there is some subjectivity to it, which leaves it open to not using like raw data. And so there's just some inconsistencies that I have with that. And so the first one that I do want to address is the fact that a lot of people immediately point to Florida State's combined opponent record. It is not as good as anybody in the top eight. And so I get what people are saying with that conversation. But here's the issue why I find that inconsistent. So the perfect example is if you take two common opponents throughout the, the two top five teams between Alabama and Florida State. So let's use two opponents on each team's schedule as an example. So you have Chattanooga, who play, who Alabama played this year. FCS team beat them 66 to 10 or something like that. Yep, it, was, it was a lot right. to not a lot. Exactly what you would expect. So Chattanooga is 8-5, and five, made the FCS playoff. Sounds like a pretty decent team, you know? Right. So then Florida State, on the other hand, played little old Northern Alabama, went 3-8. and eight, You know, yep. they're, they're a nobody. You beat them 58-13, to 13, so you beat them handily, too. 
Well, here's the problem. So if you look at just raw wins versus loss combined opponent records, so obviously you would immediately think on the surface that Chattanooga, an 8-5 and five FCS team who made the FCS playoffs, they got to be better than North Alabama, right? That's right. right. Until you realize that North Alabama beat Chattanooga by two touchdowns at their field the first oh, game wow. of the season. So at the same time, when you look at that, it's like that's why you cannot take just raw records right. and add them up and tell me who's better than who's not. Because if you look at why Texas got into the playoffs, it was right. because they had the head-to-head over Alabama. Correct. So in a sense, would you say now if the head-to-head is so important, and this will make a little bit more sense later, but would you say that the head-to-head is so important that a 3-8 and eight team is better than an 8-5 and five team that made the playoffs? Because mm-hmm. if that is the case, then Florida State should get more value out of the 3-8 and eight North Alabama win than Correct. Chattanooga or Alabama should get out of the Chattanooga win. And, you know, you're starting right now, if you're building up your opponent records, one of you is starting with five extra wins and Correct. one of you is starting with with down three losses. So, you know, you, you're already starting with like a negative balance by playing a team that beat the team that that goes more towards Alabama strength of schedule. So that doesn't Correct. make a whole lot of sense. And I think it also depends on if you have a couple outliers. Like when they played Georgia, that was, I think, 11 and or 12 and 0 at the time, 11 and 1 at the end. You know, if you think about it, and, and this was something I was trying to explain to you um, earlier, and, and sometimes it can get a little complicated, a little muddy to explain. So uh, l- let me not talk so fast when I say this. But so if you played 12 teams, right, and you were to play one 11 and 1, or say one 12 and 0 power five team, and then you played six, or I mean, uh, 11, six and six FCS teams. That doesn't sound like a very hard schedule, right? Yeah. But your opponent winning record would look better than if you, you know, it, it would be the exact same if you played, say, 11, six and six power five teams and one 11 and one FCS team. Your combined opponent record is going to be the exact same. Exact same. That doesn't mean you played a harder schedule. Nope. So that's why I think the combined opponent record is a flawed argument. And then, you know, you can also talk about, well, they had wins over a couple of top five teams, you know, w- looking at where they be, um, Georgia. And, and that's great. And this is not just specifically about Alabama because we're going right. to get into Texas and Michigan and all that stuff later too. But it's just painting the picture that just a raw combined opponent record doesn't really paint the whole picture. And sure, the top five wins should count. I think they should be a huge weighting in your schedule because that right. is a massive win. But the other point that I made to you when we are talking in pre-show prep was think back to 2020. Florida State beat number five, North Carolina. Yep. They finished that season, what, three and six or three and eight? Three and eight. And, and then think back to when Purdue uh upset what number three or something like that ohio state and and yeah. beat the brakes off of them beat the that, brakes off of right them. beat the brakes off of them and so it's like does that automatically make them a better team correct not always and i think that's the answer and i and i think that's why the point of this is first off to my initial point is to rule out the just combined opponent records and saying you're worse because that's who it was because people don't realize the acc also had the most amount of bowl eligible teams Teams. so that means they had a lot of very mid-level teams that were around six and six seven and five correct so and i'm not sitting here telling you that that the you know the the acc is like playing through the the afc or anything like that (laughs) i'm not telling you that but what i'm saying is i think that people have a perceived notion coming into things that the sec is so dominant the big 10 is so dominant the acc is weak because of the history and this was not a particularly good year for the sec so i think it's why that's why you have to look at things on an individual on a one-year standpoint 
because I think Georgia is another perfect example of that. Yeah, what they did the last two years was extremely impressive. Right. They didn't look like the same Georgia team this nope. year. So I think you have to take things one one year at a time. And, you know, if you think back to the the big wins and the opponent schedules and things like that, that to me is why when I started looking at these teams, and again, this is not about what you should have done with Florida State and all that stuff. I think I don't think I think the committee should have looked and said, hey, man, congratulations. And I'm going to talk about Texas schedule in a second, but I'm going to kick back to you for a minute. I think you could have looked at, at looked at what Texas did as a whole, their whole body of work, not just one win. Because, again, think about our example of right. where Florida State beat North Carolina right. and Purdue. You have upsets that happen all the time. App State beat Michigan, you know, set, yep. set the precedent. Hell, we lost to Jacksonville State. Come on. <laughs> yeah, upsets happen right. all the upsets time. Happen. Right. So, you know, I'm willing to throw our skeletons out of the closet, too. But <laughs> the thing is, man, like, I, I think the committee should have looked at the whole entire picture. And they should have said, man, the win that you guys had in Tuscaloosa was right. probably the best win of the year. That's amazing. But the rest of what you did wasn't that impressive. And, yeah. and they should have had the courage to give the team that didn't lose any games the opportunity to, to continue to compete and maybe set Texas on the side. Because the more I look at it, the more I think Texas should not have been in Correct. over Florida State. You could argue for some other teams, too. It's not necessarily just specifically Alabama that everybody's mad at. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we got I got some more numbers that we're going to get into so far or, or later on. But, um, you know, I'll kick it back to you for some thoughts on, on what we just talked about. Yeah, I I, I, man, I mean, first of all, thank you for that research. And you're, you're absolutely right. Strength of strength of schedule is such a subjective thing, because not only are you looking at how a team performed against these other teams, but then their records. And how their record, like no one could anticipate, like Florida State could not anticipate that North Alabama would go, North Alabama would go three and eight. They they couldn't anticipate that. Right. They didn't anticipate Miami going seven and five. They didn't anticipate Florida having another five and seven season. Right. They didn't anticipate that LSU would lose any other games outside of theirs. I mean, heck, we all thought Clemson probably would win the ACC title this year. Right. We all picked Clemson to come in right. first. Right. So none of us could have anticipated this record. So you're you can only play the record that's right in front of you, and it, it it's just not the same. Like you can't compare apples to oranges. It just doesn't work. And so then to say, okay, well, Florida State, you know, kudos to them for going thirteen zero, but Texas is better than them. Like, wait, what? And, you know, and the argument everybody wants to make the argument about Alabama. And for those people who make that argument, fine, sure, go ahead. Conspiracy theory and all. My gripe is not really with Alabama being put in. It's with Texas. And I get the head-to-head. -head. But again, just like you said, just like you said, like at some point, if the committee, you said this in the pre-show, if the committee had the galls to screw Florida State, they should have had the galls to say, you know, Texas, going into Bryant-Denny Stadium and winning is a hard thing. And winning by 10 points is even harder. So kudos to you. Great job. But the rest of your schedule is duck butter. It is like the worst. Like you didn't play anybody. You right. played you 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 played a ranked Kansas team that should have never been ranked in the first place. Right. Plus and, you and played I will them say backup QB. We're gonna go through I got all of their games yeah. listed. We're gonna we're gonna talk about Texas in just a second. But I will say too. You know, you bring up a good point. Like, if you look back at that win over over Alabama, I mean, that's great, man. Congratulations. But that's also, if Florida State can be a different team towards the end of their schedule. Correct. Because of the, the change at quarterback. Well, you have to think back to what that Alabama team was in week two. 
Yep. Because they had just benched Milroe for struggling Correct. in that game. And then on top of that, you also went and struggled at South Florida, a six and six AAC team. Yeah. You were tied three points late in the third quarter and you won yeah. 17 to three. With a quarterback. So that was right. So that was a different Alabama team that you beat back in the exactly. day. And and so my point with, with that is so if Alabama started pretty rough, you know, so to speak, and then got better throughout the season, even mind you, the, the Auburn game in there, which obviously we're going to talk about that too. But it's not unreal to think that Texas started bad, got better. I mean, uh, Alabama, and then Texas started hot and got worse when you look yep. at the schedule because that's yep. kind of the way it plays out that's when you look at the strength of schedule. Yep. So the next, really, and we're going to get into their schedule, but the thing is that you hear a lot of like with the SEC, well, you guys couldn't make it through the SEC undefeated and, and this, that, and the other because they beat each other up. And, and that's fine. That's fair if you want to say that. Every, every conference does that. And I will say first before we get into this, th there's a couple of points that I want to make when you talk about Power 5 football in general. First off, a uh, point that I want to make on Florida State. I'm not here to, de to deny that Florida State caught some bad breaks. Obviously, your Heisman hopeful quarterback got hurt. Right. Tate got a concussion in the one game that he got to play in, right. or you know, at least went into protocol. If you'd have had him at Louisville, maybe the story's a little different. You right. know, we don't we don't necessarily believe that, but you know, it's just a case. You know, Louisville crapped the bed against Kentucky. Kentucky. You had, yep. you know, Alabama, Auburn couldn't defend one pass to win the game. <laughs> right. So, like you caught some bad breaks. Now, I also want to say, too, that when you just look at Power 5 football in general, I, I think you have some teams, obviously, Alabama and Vanderbilt and, say, Florida State, Clemson, and Wake Forest are nowhere in the same ballpark as far as talent goes. But when you right. look at the, the middle-to-top tier teams, outside of a couple of programs, like, like just as far as raw blue-chip ratios go, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, those couple of really top-tier teams, Clemson and all that stuff – I think a lot of the talent levels are a lot closer than people think, especially in the portal yep. era where you may have guys going from one team to, you know, you may have this guy who was this talented, perfect example. If Florida state ends up getting um, Marvin Jones jr. You know, that's a five star that, that is coming over here. That was at another program. So like you see how these, these players move a lot. Like right. again, you, you look back to the Jacksonville state game. Uh, Zarek Cooper, the quarterback for Jacksonville State, was a former four-star, I think top 25 quarterback in the country, former Clemson player that transferred to Jacksonville Correct. State. That's why you see so many group of five upsets nowadays because the talent level is not really as as far apart as people think. Right. But so anyway, keeping that in mind, talking about out-of-conference stuff, because really if you want to talk about the SEC beats himself up or the ACC does or all these things – you kind of got to turn to your out-of-conference slate. Now, I know this isn't a perfect measurement because not everybody plays the same out-of-conference schedule and the same amount of teams, but the thing is the ACC played 56 out-of-conference games. The big uh, B1G, Big 10, played 42. Big 12 played 42. Uh, Pac-12 played 36, and the SEC played 56. So you have a really large sample set uh, to gauge off of. So I went and looked at what everybody kind of did outside of their conference, and when you look at the ACC – out of the games that they scheduled, the way I broke it down was Power 5, G5, FCS, Independent. Now, you could also, I kind of, like I factored in Notre Dame being a little bit more of a Power 5 than an Independent because right, right. they're totally different than Mass, sense. Uh, yep. UMass and Army. And then, like, basically the ranked games. And so when you look at the ACC, this season, they played 33.9% Power 5 teams out of conference, 44.6% with Notre Dame. The Big 10 played 309 the Big 12 played 
Pac-12 played 27.7, and the SEC played 28.6. So you played the highest amount of Power 5 teams. If you factor in Notre Dame, that's by a wide margin. Wide. The G5 schools, the ACC played 23.2. The Big Ten played 47.6% G5 teams. The Big 12 played 45.2%. The Pac-12 played 41.7%. And the SEC played 41.1. So you played the most power five, uh, the least, least amount of G5. group of five. And then when you look at FCS, because everybody plays FCS, that's right. how they float their programs. We don't fault anybody for that. Uh, Florida State was about even with everybody, tw- or not, uh, the ACC, 25% FCS. Big 10 was 16.7. Big 12 was 26.2. The Pac 12 was 25. And the SEC was 25 as well. So again, man. Just when you look at the nature of the scheduling, the ACC has scheduled the hardest just based on Power 5 opponents. So that's when you start looking at, okay, what are their records, their combined opponent records? Well, it's not hard to have a better record when you don't play the same out-of-conference schedule. And so also I talked about the the ranked games. So the ACC out-of-conference played 19.6% ranked teams out of conference. And that was when the other team was ranked. It didn't matter if the ACC team or who, whatever right. team was ranked or not. So against out of conference ranked opponents, you played 19.6% and you went four of seven in those. Okay. The big 10 played 9.5%. So 10% less ranked games, only four. So I'll just give you the number. So the ACC played, because again, they play different amount of games. Right. So, you know, obviously use percentages to to smooth things out. The ACC played 11 ranked games, 19.6%, went four of seven. Four of those were top 10. 10 of those are still currently ranked. Mm. So the Big 10, they played nine and a half percent, four ranked games in total out of conference. They went one and three. Mm. The only win they had was Ohio State over Notre Dame, over Notre Dame by three points on literally the last play of the game. Last play of the game. <laughs> And one of their, I'm going to read you the note just like I got it. One of their uh, ranked games was Colorado, LOL, because that was when Colorado, <laughs> you know, because they got the, the week one uh, ranked when they played I think, Nebraska or, or week two. Right. That that was a, a farce there. So um, only one of their ranked games was against top 10. And only one of the ranked games is the team is currently still ranked. Wow. That's, that's pretty weak out of conference. Yeah, absolutely. And then so you go to the Big 12, 42 out of conference games. They played four ranked out of conference teams. Nine and a half percent, two top ten, only three are still currently ranked, and they went one and three. Mm. So then you look at the Pac-12. So they played eleven point one percent, a little bit higher than the last two. Only four ranked games went two and two. None were in the top ten, and uh, two of them are still currently ranked. And I also had noted down here that one of their ranked games was TCU in week one, which we know TCU ended up yep. right. They fell off a cliff really fast. And then so the SEC was actually relatively closer to you. They played nine ranked games, 16.1%. They went three and six in those games. And they one of those was uh, Tulane versus Ole Miss. That was the only conference to play a ranked G5 opponent. Tulane is not ranked anymore. Two of those were in the top 10. And you were currently, uh, five of those are currently ranked. So again, man, just looking at all these numbers, like you can see that it paints a picture that the ACC played a harder out-of-conference schedule and that's, of course, including Notre Dame is out of conference because that's that was six ranked games that the ACC had to play out of conference yeah. right there. So I think when you when you just say strength of schedule, it's hard, man, to, to quantify that because, right. again, like we talked about with the combined opponent records, and then you look at what preseason rankings, how much does that factor into it? Because, again, when you look at just the ACC 
and the Big 12 were the only conferences to have more teams ranked at the end of the season mm. than they did at the beginning. Mm. So that kind of tells you now some of the team, they had the same amount. Um, but that tells you right there that that preseason stuff does kind of weigh into your strength of schedule as yeah. well. And, and, you know, and the last thing I'll touch on talking about this and, and I'll throw it to you before we, we move on to some other points is I also looked at the average scoring offense and scoring deep, uh, excuse me, defensive rank for power five against power five points. Cause I don't really care what you did against FCS. Right. That doesn't mean right. anything. Right. So if you, if you look at, um, because they do play six games. So if you factor in Notre Dame to this, um, the out of conference rank. So the average offense that the ACC played was ranked 47.9 and the defense was ranked 40.7. The big 12 was, or the big 10 was 65.6 on their offense. They don't play offense in the big 12. It's, yeah. it's just not good. <laughs> and the average defensive rank was 35th. But again, you know, when you talk about, you don't play offense very good. Um, and then, so the big 12, your average offensive rank was 38.3, a little bit higher, but the defensive rank was lower at 57. Yeah. So then the Pac-12 was pretty close to you at 40.3% on offense, 55.6 on defense, a little bit lower than you there. And the SEC came in at 43.9 and 50.4. So it's not like those numbers are really crazy different. Right. So it's like when you look at the picture as a whole, it just, I mean, I, I'm not here to tell you that like Boston College is a powerhouse, that Syracuse right. is a powerhouse. I'm not, I'm not telling you right. that. But what I'm saying is a lot of these other teams, when you look down the roster at the teams these guys are playing, when you look at the out-of-conference slate, it's not harder than what the ACC Correct. did. Correct. Oh, yeah. Well, and like, it, if I remember correctly, didn't the ACC have a winning record against the SEC in out-of-conference play this year? Against the SEC, against yes. the Big Ten, and then yeah. they had a losing record against the Big 12, but Pitt played both of the Big 12 games, and, and they're hard That's garbage. That's it. So, exactly. They're right. hard garbage. So, so, so you're already your conference basically had a winning record against every other power five conference. You had a winning record against the supposedly darling of the power five conferences, the sec. And you're going to say that Florida state would have come in. Like I heard something, you know, last week or I read somewhere. It's like, well, if Florida state was in the sec, they'd probably be like a seven and five team. Are you wait, what? Right. Wait, yeah. what? Like, let's just be honest. Okay. Every conference is top heavy. Right. Right. Every yep. conference is. So the ACC, it's Clemson and Florida State. Really? That's I mean, you can add in NC State and North Carolina, whatever. It's Clemson and it's Florida State in the SEC. You have you have more top heavy teams. I will give you that. You have Alabama, Georgia, Old Miss, um, LSU and uh, whom I think Tennessee. Those are your teams outside of that. Everything else is a toss up. Right. Because you get once in a blue moon that Auburn's good. Once in a blue moon that Mississippi State's, I mean, once in like several blue moons that Mississippi State's good. You know, Arkansas is, you know, pretty decent, pretty good for a seven win team sometimes, maybe eight. You know, if they uh, if they call the hogs right, they might get nine wins sometimes or whatever. Like, but you're really top heavy. The Big 12, I mean, it was really always Texas and Oklahoma every single right. year. The Pac-12, up until recently, it was just Washington and Oregon. And then USC came on last year. They fell off this year. UCLA came on last year. They fell off this year. And you and and I've said this before on the show is that you also had the over darling darlingization, darlingization, whatever it is, the over Cinderella-ness of the Pac-12 this season because it was the last season, which the reason why it's the last season is 
ESPN's fault. Hello, ESPN. And then you try to have a swan song for them. But you, you had this over oversaturation of, well, we're going to rank the Pac-12 higher because it's the last season and we feel bad and want to give them notoriety and all of that stuff. And so these teams got ranked higher than they should have gotten ranked. Like the Pac-12, like Oregon State never was a top 25 team. That was very clear. They should have never been ranked in the top 25. You look at Washington's victory and who they beat. Um, there were a couple teams they beat. Oregon, obviously, they beat them twice. So they, that, that that's all right. But Oregon didn't really play anybody. They beat, uh, they uh they they struggle against a Stanford. They beat Arizona State or Arizona when they weren't even ranked, and then later they got ranked. So they gave them credit for beating a ranked Arizona, even though they weren't ranked. Um, and so you look at these teams, and you're like, these conferences are not equally made, but they're always all of them are top heavy. So how can you judge a team based on the schedule that was put in front of them? Again, Florida State right. beat everybody they were supposed to play. Yeah, and I think. That's a good point, too, because when you look at the ACC, in my personal opinion, I think that you're maybe not as as top heavy. Uh, I mean, you have two two good programs that right. kind of run that conference. But I think when you get to the middle meet, when you talk about I mean, I know they haven't been good for a while, but when you talk about at least Miami and the competitive, I mean, they beat, you know, they kind of beat the brakes off of Texas A&M this year. So I just think that middle meat of the ACC is better than people give them credit for. I mean, right. you know, again, and, and even when you look at the bottom dwellers of the conference, like Vandy finished last in the SEC, and I think Wake finished last or second to last right. in the ACC. So Wake Forest beat Vanderbilt 36 to 20 this year. Yep. Well, Georgia beat Vanderbilt 37 to 20. <laughs> That's right. So you know what I mean? Like there's, and, and I made a list of, and I didn't have a chance to get every single one of them, but I made a list of some interesting games that happened out of you know throughout out of conference mostly um that that happened for each conference and so we'll, we'll kind of look at some of these so and, and again i'm gonna pull the skeletons out of the closet for the acc too yes so bc loses to northern illinois not okay. a great look not a great bc look. then turns around and beats holy cross an fcs team who by the way was 12 and one the year before yep uh by three points again not a good look now Correct. for context bc was experimenting with switching quarterbacks at that's that time. right UVA loses to James Madison by one point. Well, James Madison is eleven and one. <laughs> They're right, you know they they right. they might have made a New Year's Six game if they weren't on a bowl ban. <laughs> so then UNC beats App State in double overtime again. Same thing that happened last year, but you know UNC is still they're still a little bit of a fraud. Right. Uh, so yes. Wake Forest beats Old Dominion by three. Marshall over Virginia Tech forty eight forty one, and then had a close game. Uh, or they, they beat Virginia Tech, then they the NC State beat them 48-41. So they gave us a little bit of problems there. But do remember, Marshall did beat Notre Dame last year as well. And then Bowling Green over Georgia Tech was a pretty bad look as well. But, you know, when you get into the, the Big 12, man, and this is why a lot of the reasons I have a problem with the Texas being in, especially when you talk about Oklahoma State, that is the biggest fluff of a ranked yes. team I might yes. have ever seen. So yes. You talk about the Big 12. So you had Texas State, not Texas, Texas State, the Texas Bobcats. State. <laughs> they beat they beat Baylor. Yeah. Houston uh beat an eight and four AAC team, UTSA by three points. The number two Big 12 team at the end of the season, Oklahoma State, beat Central Arkansas by 14 points, who's a seven and four FCS team. And then they beat uh eight and four Mountain West Wyoming beat Texas Tech in double overtime. BYU over three and nine Sam Houston mm. State 14 to nothing. Six and six AAC team Rice beat Houston in double overtime. 
Ohio, who's nine and three, beat Iowa State. Miami of Ohio over Cincinnati in overtime. Keep in mind, Miami beat Miami of Ohio. Miami, Florida beat Miami of Ohio by 30 points. Yes. And see, this again, man, this is the biggest problem with, with me for Oklahoma State. We already talked about Oklahoma State barely beating Central Arkansas. They got their face kicked in by yeah. South Alabama, Ooh. 33 to 7. And so Kansas also looking at Kansas, which was at or during the season, they're not ranked in the final rankings. But during the season, Kansas, which was one of Texas's ranked wins, beat Nevada 31-24, seven-point game. Nevada was 2-10 and and lost to FCS Idaho 33-6 the week before. There's just so many games where it's like the Big yeah. 12 just looks terrible. And, of yep. course, you know, when you talk about the Big 10, they didn't play a lot of out-of-conference games, but and we know they didn't play a lot of Power 5 teams either. Yeah. So yep. Purdue lost to Fresno State. Illinois beat Toledo by two points. Indiana beat... Uh, Indiana won in four overtimes over, uh, I forget who it was. It was a, a pretty terrible team. Uh, Akron, uh, Northwestern beat Howard FCS 23 wow. to 20. Even in the SEC, Kentucky beat Eastern Kentucky by 11 points. That's an FCS program, even though yep. it's a good one. Missouri, your number three or four team. And this is the, here's the thing, man. This is a good comparison. Missouri is a really good comparison. Why I think people are blowing smoke when they talk about Florida state would do this or that in the SEC. So Mizzou finished being like the number three or four team in the SEC. They hung right there with Georgia. I think it was like a six or seven point game. So Missouri beat Memphis 34 to 27. Yep. And then they also beat Middle Tennessee State 23 to 19. So a four point <laughs> game against Middle Tennessee State, who Alabama beat, I think it was like 50 to seven or something like that in the first game. So again, man, when you talk about that number three or four team struggling against those and then a good perfect comparison is Missouri beat Florida by two points on a walk-off field goal at home. And Man. now they did have Mertz for part of that game, and they had the backup for part of that game. But you're talking about the number three team in the SEC, or four. I'm not sure where they finished because they still have divisions. It was either them or Ole Miss. Yeah. So a top four team in the SEC beats Florida the week before, or I think the, the week before or two weeks before Florida State goes into their place with a backup quarterback and beats them 24 to 15. So you beat them worse than Missouri did. So man, I just I don't I don't buy the thing where you know, people want to talk about oh you beat BC by a couple of points. It was on the road in a red bandana game. Mizzou yeah. struggled against Florida at home who honestly I don't think is any really better or worse than BC probably. I mean they probably win the game but not by a right. lot. Right. Um when you talk about being on the road in, in in the Red Bandana game or either what and and Florida State had the flu in that game. So I just think man just looking at a lot of these it's just there's so many questionable games man. It's like <laughs> I don't I don't get it and and uh I'll let you share some thoughts but then I just got, I got some notes here where we kind of looked at every team in the schedule and I want to run through those in just a second for a couple of the teams. Uh but I'll kick it back to you for some thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, man, it, Sorry, yeah, the schedule is just the schedules don't they, they don't match up, they don't line up. And so it, it's hard to be able to delineate, you know, based on that. But then when you deep dive like you've done, you see where it's like, oh, there are these there what what feels like maybe anomalies actually are like, no, this actually is more evidence as to why this subjectivity in college football is damaging the sport. 
because right. in, in, in every other college sports and soccer, college soccer and college baseball and college basketball and college lacrosse. I mean, I can keep going and wrestling and swimming and in cheerleading and in the gun rifling. It right. all matters what you do on the field. There's very little sub subjectivity, maybe gymnastics. OK, sure. Subjectivity. But everything else is wins and losses, including the NFL, which is the ultimate version of the sport that we're talking about exactly in the nfl there are no there are power rankings but that's really just to create conversation they those power rankings have nothing to do with who gets to play for a championship they have nothing to do with who's ranked number one or whatever it has nothing to do with that all those stats do is help tell the analytics help tell us people who are not playing the game well which team number wise is better but every week on the field it gets determined those 22 guys get up on the field, they play. In the NBA, in the NF, in the uh, college basketball, those uh, 10 guys or girls get on that court and they play. That tells us who is better, who is not. The, bas the college basketball selection committee. Now, we might gripe over the one or two teams who we think should have been in and they don't get in. But 95% of it, they get it right every year. Maybe we don't like where they put them at as far as the rankings uh, or as far as the seedings, but they get it right. Why? Because wins and losses matter. The only time subjectivity comes into play is where are they ranked on the S curve um, and where that one or two team that gets left off where they should be. Other than that, wins and loss matter. And so when we look at these records, when you start to actually dive into this fact, you're like, if you want to go by who played the best schedule and who looked the best, well, man, we can we can drunge up all the evidence we need to to disprove your point again and again. What should have mattered at the end of the day for any conversation, let's just even let's move on beyond the playoffs for any conversation. Did they win? Did they lose? That should be where we that's the starting point. I agree. And that's the thing. Like, how can you? necessarily just quantify that beating a six and six ACC team is not as good as beating a six and six Correct. SEC team. And I know you can point to the examples of where, you know, maybe you have a Kentucky that beats Louisville or something like that. that that's fine. Teams get upset all the time. We just Absolutely. talked about that where, you know, again, we beat North Carolina at number five, Jacksonville state beat us as an FCS team. Like those right. things happen in a vacuum. But when you look at the season as a whole, I just think, man, it's, I think the problem is people have the perception of, oh, this conference is this, this conference yep. is that. And because of that reason, that beating a six and six ACC team doesn't count the same. Yeah. Beating NC State at nine and three doesn't count the same as beating this other SEC team, yeah. you know, Missouri or whoever. Yep. It, I think they're 10 and two, like who's nine and three. And that's not necessarily the case because everybody has warts on their schedule. We well, just talked about all these games that were close, you know, out of conference yeah. against far lesser teams and well, so i don't a, yeah i just don't get the the preconceived notion that because of the sec being better in the past when it was 90 percent right. alabama right recently right. georgia right. Uh, occasional blip of lsu and LSU. florida right like if florida you, right if you remove simply alabama from the sec that conference looks nothing like what it did no. No, absolutely. You take those those you take those national titles out, and we're not sitting here talking about S the SEC being the best conference in the world. I mean, before Alabama started winning consistently, Florida had won two, and then they didn't have a national championship for like the longest of time, right? And so, and this is another point to this, and I know we got to move on. Is is when you look at you look at Alabama's win over Auburn, okay? 
Now, let's let's we've said this over and over again, but it it bears worth repeating. The week before Alabama needed a fourth and 31 miracle to beat that to win that game against Auburn in the Plains, Auburn had just got mollywopped by a New Mexico State team that was absolutely terrible, right? And yet people are giving them more credit for pulling that game out than Florida State going into Clemson, who had not lost in 60-something games at home, right? who was basically unbeatable at home, and we won in overtime. But no, 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 there's no credit because Clemson's whole record is not good. But Auburn, who didn't get to go to a bowl game, who got whooped up by New Mexico State, wow, what a win, Alabama. Like, that's that's the subjectivity I'm talking about. That we don't hold in the same regard the difficulty of what FSU did, which was far more difficult than what Alabama accomplished in that win against Auburn. Right. And I think you have to, like, I'm, everybody knows I'm big on stats and data because numbers don't lie. But I think it's fair also to provide context to those numbers. Right. Because, again, like, winning, you can say you beat eight and four Clemson or or whatever they finished. It matters where, where you did it. Because Correct. they they beat two now now North Carolina didn't finish ranked but they beat two ranked teams at home North Carolina and Notre Dame ask Notre Dame how hard it is to play Correct. inside Death Valley so to me I think you have the context of where you did it who you did yep. it in front of how good those teams were on the road or at home and then I also think there there are ways to break it down and this is actually what started my whole research thing here there's ways to break it down that. I know it's a complete team and you have to beat the the entire team. There's three phases to the game, but that doesn't mean that you can't look at what did Florida state like, you know, LSU's defense is cheeks. So who cares? You know what I mean? Like what you did against (laughs) them, everybody puts up yards against them, but I think it's okay to say, okay, well you did look at what you did against the number one offense in the country. Right. All right. Well, you go into the Clemson game. You're not going to, you're not going to tip your hat or hang your hat on what you did against Clemson's offense. Cause they were terrible right. this year. Right. But you still played a really friggin' good defense in Clemson. So I think you could even look at it side to side like that on, on the different offenses, defense that you faced. And what brought me to that conversation was when you looked at Michigan's defense, because right. if most of you follow me on social media, you know that we I posted a few threads defending Florida State's defense and why I think they could have it could have kept them in the playoffs. Well, yep. you know, everybody says, well, Michigan has the number one defense in college football. Well, that's not hard when you play seven opponents who rank 100th or below Correct. in total in scoring offense. They face zero offenses in the top 10 this year. And so I even thought, like, okay, man, well, maybe they just play some really tough you know, Big Ten defenses, that's why they're not all that great, right? So then I went as far as to calculate your out-of-conference points on what you did against Power 5 defenses out-of-conference, and it was within one point of what those Big Ten teams score against Big Ten defenses. So that doesn't always mean the perception is the reality. It doesn't mean because you play in the Big Ten, you play great defenses. Correct. It just means your offenses are trash. And like it's just like the Big 12. Like Their their offensive rankings were really high, but their defensive rankings were relatively low. Now, is that a product of of playing really good or, or really not? And so... You know, that's why I tried to look when you compare the out of conference stuff and what and what teams did with their defenses. That's what I found so interesting is that again, man, you, you 
you look at Michigan, their offense is not impressive when they, right. they, they barely put up any yards um, against Penn state who has a good defense again, yep. but you're playing, you're playing in the big 10. And, right. and by the way, go look at who Penn state beat. Thank they you. stay, they stay ranked high, which helps your strength of schedule. They didn't For play no anybody. Reason. The only no two one. really good teams they played was Ohio state, Michigan. They lost both. And they of got them. beat. Right. And then, so like they put up less points against Iowa or I mean, less yards against Iowa than Florida state did against Louisville with a Correct. third string, two freshman backup. And, you know, again, that is, that is a, okay. Okay. They got the number three defense, Iowa. Who are they playing on offense? That, that right. is tough. Like I said, right. against out of conference power, five defenses, big 10 offenses score 0.7 points less on average than they mm. do against uh big 10 defenses. So it's not, that big of a difference. And a lot of them were within, you know, that window. Now, the one thing when I said we were going to go through their schedule. So let's just go through a couple of these schedules here. So okay. let's look at Bama's middle Tennessee state four and eight. Who cares? Texas 12 and one lost by two scores at home. So yeah, congratulations. You played a tough team that ended up yeah. being 12 and one. Yeah. You got beat. So you got it beat. doesn't, Right, like it doesn't really count. You should for your not get. Schedule. This is not college basketball. There's no such thing as a quality loss exactly. in college football. Exactly. Everybody's like, well, they played this, that, and the other team. It's like, yeah, but they lost to they one. They lost. Of them. And then so uh, you get USF six and six, but it was a close game. Ole Miss, they're ten and two. That's a really nice win. That's I've a great not win. taken yep. that away from you. Now I will mention when you talk about the Mississippi schools, neither one of them have ever won Jack. They've never won Nothing. the SEC. They've never won Correct. a national championship. Come on. So like, yeah, they they put together, they string together some wins, but they've ne literally never won anything. Come on. Come on. I mean, you're at least talking about when you go beat Clemson. That's a team that is top ten in talent rankings. That's a team that never loses at home, and that's also a team that has won three national titles Come on. in the last ten years. So, Come on. so then continuing down the line, they beat Mississippi State five and seven, and they fired their coach after the first year. Thank you, A and M seven and five. That A and M team lost by two touchdowns to Miami, who Florida State beat. Fired their coach. Fired their Arkansas coach. four and eight, dead last in the West. Thank Tennessee you. eight and four, not a bad win. Not they a did bad lose, win, but they lost to Florida, who yep. who Florida State beat in the yep. swamp. So correct, both even there. Um, now, of course, Florida had a backup there, but so did FSU. Yep. Um, and they got blown out by UGA and Mizzou. Yep. Again, that is the same Mizzou that beat Middle Tennessee by four points. Yes. Um, or or beat Memphis by four points. So then LSU nine and three, good win. But hey, Wait. Florida State beat them by more. Yep. And they did it in a neutral site and not at home. Well, and you also have to qualify that Alabama was losing to LSU when Jaden Daniels got hurt, went out. Alabama came back to win. Let's say Jaden Daniels doesn't get hurt. What does that game look like? It could like? be a different game. It could be a different Thank game. You. And then when you look at the Kentucky, uh, th th who they played, they're seven and five. And, and I had this in my notes. I said, okay, well, in fairness, I would call this a decent win. But since everybody says Louisville is trash because they lost to Kentucky then, by then seven, right, then, this, then this is no longer a good win. Correct. Or it is. It is or it's not. I'll let you choose because then Louisville is still a good team. Thank you. So, so there you go. So, again, then you get Chattanooga, eight and five. But they did lose by two touchdowns to the FCS team that Florida State played. Auburn, Correct. six and six. They won on a fourth and 31 prayer after they just got beat by New Mexico State 31 to 10. That's also an Auburn team that hung with Georgia and also an, an Auburn team that barely beat Cal, who's six and oh, six out of the now. out of the Pac-12. So what which one of these games 
has sounded really hard so far. Correct. Then then you get Georgia. That is a huge win, man. Don't get me wrong. Yep, huge that's win. A great win. But this is also a UGA team that has kind of looked suspect outside of Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Kentucky. They yep. had really three good wins. Other than yep. that, they struggled against Auburn. They struggled against South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had said that the one thing I was concerned about with Georgia, and, and uh, most of you probably have heard me mention that my brother's a Georgia fan, and I told him, I said, the thing that concerns me in that SEC championship game, and I actually predicted the score to be 27-24, but I had Georgia winning, mm. was the fact that Georgia had not played a top 35 defense the entire season. Yep. The hardest defense they had played was number 37, Auburn. So I was yep. worried they were going to be able to score in that game. They were thinking they were going to score 30, 40 points, and I didn't think <laughs> that was the case. Right. So, like, outside of that Georgia win, which was a huge win. Big win. What, a, what about that schedule that we read nah. sounded hard besides, nah. again, Ole Miss was a good win, but you also got them at home, I believe. Yep. You got LSU at home. And then you got, you know, I mean, you got most of your hard games at home, which was the same thing with, like, Correct. Texas. Now, we can go through Florida State schedule. So you had LSU nine and three, blew them out, held them to less yep. points than any SEC team this season. Southern Miss three and nine. You know who cares, man? You you, you killed them. Uh, they did play one SEC team and they won by twenty one. That was Mississippi mm. State. Florida State beat them by fifty three. Uh, BC six and six, ugly win. Not a great team. Florida State, of course, we know had the flu. It was a red bandana game. But and hey, he went on a twenty eight zero run in the course of that game. Thank you. Like, let's not. I hate when people bring this up. Not you, but I hate when everybody brings up. Oh, he's going. Florida State was going into the fourth quarter up thirty one ten. Right. Exactly. And then you you look at the Clemson game. Yeah, they finished eight and four, but you were the only team to beat Clemson in Death mm -hmm. Valley this Thank year. You. They beat two ranked teams. Thank you. And they're literally sixty four and four at home since two thousand and thirteen. Oh, come, come on. And and two of those losses were to Florida State. Florida so. State. I mean, again, it's it's different when you talk about where it happened and, and when. Now, Virginia yep. Tech six and six, they were not great. They did get better with Chiron Drones at quarterback, but you beat them by twenty two. You blew them out. So, like, Correct. you beat the teams like you were supposed to. Q six and six, not a good team. I'm fully aware. With, yep. I'm fine with admitting that. You beat them forty one to three. You, you beat them like they were a bad team. Thank you. So then Duke was seven and five, but they were five and two in rank number sixteen when they played Florida State. Leonard got injured, then got re injured in that game, yep. and they fell off a cliff. Yep. Wake Forest, they suck, but hey, they were 1-0 against the SEC, and Correct. I mean, you, you beat the brakes off of them. Uh, oh, yeah, and they beat uh, Vandy by one less point than UGA did. Yeah. Hit 3-9, they're terrible, too. You won by three touchdowns without your two top receivers. Correct. Of course, Miami 7-5 rivalry game. They're not great, but, you know, they're freaking taking a knee away from being 8-4. and four. Yep. You still get the win. UNA, we don't even have to talk about that. Well, uh, that Miami game, well, real quick, that Miami game, think about it. The score probably would have been 27-10. 13, sorry, 27-13, if not for one of the most flukiest catches right, yep. I've ever seen in my lifetime. Right, and, and then, you know, that, and then you talk about the UF game. They beat them with a backup. Of course, they had a backup. You also took a knee in field goal range. That could have been 27-15 to 15 yep. easily. Um, and then Louisville, you beat them with a third-string quarterback, and, and they were 10-3. and three. So, again, man, I just don't see when you read these schedules how it sounds any different, and, and nope. I won't spend as much time on this one. But even when you look at Texas, they beat Rice. Who mm. cares? They beat Alabama. Great win. That was a different Alabama team. Wyoming, 31 to 10. We already said they were eight and four. Um, uh, Mountain West team, I believe. They beat Baylor 38 to six. Baylor, terrible. We just talked mm. about them losing an embarrassing game a second ago. <laughs> Kansas, they beat 40 to 14. Kansas should have really probably never been ranked in the first place. Right. They didn't beat anybody leading up to that game. 
And by the way, they had their backup quarterback. No one, yep. no one's I've heard nobody mention that that Jalen nope. Daniels did not play in that Kansas game. Correct. Then you lose to Oklahoma. Yep. You beat Houston by seven points, who Barely. was almost, I think, second to last or like one of the last teams in the, the Big 12. And that's the other thing, man. Keep in mind, too, that I think four of the Big 12 teams were G5 teams last year. <laughs> so it's not <laughs> even right. right. So, like, is that even really beating a Power Gosh. 5 team? You've had oh, one man, year so with, with Power 5 money. Yeah. So then you you beat BYU 35-6. That's a pretty good win. But BYU wasn't any good when they had to play in the Power 5 this year. Um, they beat Kansas State in overtime, which that's not a terrible win. You know, I'll give them that, but that's no better than to me. You were at home. That's no better than beating Clemson in Death Valley. Then you beat TCU, who was five and seven by three points. Yeah. And then you beat Iowa State by a 20 by 10. Iowa State was seven and five. And we just talked about they lost to somebody bad, too. Uh, you beat the breaks off Texas Tech 57 to seven. Yeah. Congratulations. They're they're not Great. any good either. Right. Uh, but in Oklahoma State, man, this is the game that really kills me. This is the one that essentially help catapult them into the champion or into the playoffs over what Florida state did over Louisville. They beat them 49, 21. They were number 18 at the time, Oklahoma state for the love of goodness. That is the, the love of goodness. <laughs> that was had to be like one of the most overrated teams. I mean, how are they still at, ranked? And again, this is your number two team in yeah. the friggin' big 10. You beat central Arkansas, 27, 13. You beat Arizona state three and nine pack 12 team, 27 to 15. You got your face kicked in by South Alabama, 33 to seven. You know, again, you lost a can or you beat Kansas state by 29, 21. You lost or you beat Kansas by seven points. Just go down the line. I mean, they got yeah. literally beat by central Florida. Who's six and six, 45 to three. So, like, how were they – first off, how were they ranked as high as they were? Yeah. And then, how? like, that's your number two team in the Big 12. That is not – I don't think they're better than Louisville. Right, correct. Louisville lost a pit. Yeah, that that's not a good look. But you also beat Notre Dame. Yep. Okay, Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma. Congratulations. Woo. But you also got mollywopped by South Alabama. So Thank you. Yeah, man, I just I think like as you know, as we step back and of course, you can talk about Michigan. They didn't play anybody the first, what, nine games of the season. Yeah. They were cheating Until the Penn whole State. time. Correct. Right. And then you you kind of get a little bit of struggle wins there against Penn State, who, again, is a good team, but they didn't play anybody this year. The only good teams they played against, they lost. You know, then you beat Ohio State, who struggled against Notre Dame, Louisville. Yeah. You know, they, they beat them by 13. They beat them by three scores yeah. or two scores. So I just think like when you really, when you take the blinders off of going, this is the ACC, this is the SEC, this is the Big Ten. Right. These are not equal conferences. And when you really start to dig into the numbers, you look at how the ACC played the hardest out of conference schedule with the most power five teams, the most ranked teams. And then, you know, you look at the average offenses, defenses that they played. You look at the, the kind of embarrassing out of conference games and the out of conference records. I think, man, there's so much BS around strength of schedule calculations. I almost thought about creating my own strength of schedule formula <laughs> for next year because it's there's just so much subjectivity to it. And the reason I, we even are doing this episode that I wanted to kind of just attack this as, again, this is not a, oh, woe is me, Florida State, you should have put me in the playoffs. This is an right. honest conversation about why we're getting things wrong in college football by using assumptions in rankings, assuming that this team is better than this team. Right. when Everybody has warts on their schedule, and, and I right. just don't really like it. And, and again, I don't like the raw 
a, com a combined opponent record argument. We already kind of right. you know threw that to the wolves too. Um, so really, man, this was just an open dialogue about why I think strength of schedule is not everything. And, and right. I think it gets pointed to a lot. It matters. I'm not saying it doesn't matter because everybody says, okay, well, what about Liberty? Yeah, but they're, they didn't play a single power five team. Correct. This year. So Correct. I think, yeah, there, there's a line of delineation between P five and G five. Right. But when you look at all these power five conferences compared to each other, and you and you kind of like men in black flash yourself of what happened the last <laughs> 10 years with the SEC. And I, and I, you can't take away the national titles. No. You can't take that away from Alabama. They did good. Congratulations to them, you know, and, and all the other teams that did win one. I just think that in, in 2023 alone, when you talk about the things that we just mentioned, man, I don't see where the ACC was much weaker than some of these other teams Correct. or these other conferences. And I don't see where Florida State's schedule was, say, 55th compared to 5th. Right. All because you played Georgia. You played one really good team. Right. I just don't see it, man. No, I really don't either. I, I don't. Again, the subjectivity of college football is what's destroying college football. Because in any other sport, th this doesn't exist. You you settle this on the field. You want to know who the best team is? Put them on the field. Let them play. Winner take all, right? Uh, the subjectivity of what we're doing now is just it's just ruining the sport. Um, it, you're telling these kids who are giving everything they got that, man, I'm so glad you played. I'm so glad you gave all your talent and your skills to this. I'm so glad you bled and hurt and injured yourself and put your body on the line. But in our eyes, you're just not good enough to play for a championship. So yeah, go to your little meaningless bowl and be happy and whatever. And it's like, no, man, this isn't why the game was created. The game was created to to get the best of competitiveness competitiveness out of us on the field. Let us to let them determine who the best is on the field. That's what every other sport does. And so to look at these schedules and say, well, you played this, and so this means you're harder. You have a harder time. And so if we put FSU in that schedule, if we put Texas in that schedule, then it would have been this and that, and that's how we determine what it is. No, that's all malarkey, dude. Put them on the field, let them play. That's how we determine the best. Yeah, I agree, man. And, and you know, that's it's like when Kirk went on his rage tweet the other uh, <laughs> yesterday or whatnot. You know, he says it's not bothering him, but that man is ha it, it, he is in a cage of emotions right now. Um, or or what was the anchor man? I'm in a glass case of emotions right that's now. That's right. Like, he, he's struggling, but again, man, I, that and like that's just really the thing is there's too much subjectivity. There's too much. This team is better than that team when you don't really. Again, it's it's based on assumptions, like we said. And, and when you just look at the the data that we've laid out for you, I know this was a really long, stat heavy kind of episode, right? You know, but if you just come into it with an open mind and you and you just listen to the numbers that we talked about, I think people put too much biases into this thing. And yep. and, I, and I will say one last point is, you know, the fun thing about the transfer portal is you get a lot of guys that come from other conferences, and yep. you know, you ask guys like I, I think I. If I recall correctly, they did an, an interview, and this they've done hundreds of these, but one that I remember they did with Keandre Jones, who came from Auburn, and it was yeah. like, you know, is it really that big of a difference playing in the SEC versus playing in the ACC? And, and they're like, you know, everybody says like, look, man, when you're a Power Five school with Power Five athletes, of course you're going to have tougher competition against Alabama, the Vanderbilt, the top versus the bottom feeders, right? But across the board, it's relatively even. I mean, you're going to have hard competition everywhere. So yep. that is the one fun thing I think that you see coming out of the portal. Yeah, you're, you're getting, getting different perspectives from different conferences, right? You're getting like in the Power Five, you're getting Power Five level players at every school. 
So Alabama, with their Power Five, playing, uh, let's say, a Vanderbilt or a Boston College, they may not be the same level of Power Five talent, but they're Power Five. Now, what's different about Alabama to Vanderbilt is that Alabama has been stacking the best of the best of Power Five versus where uh, Vanderbilt is getting probably the lower tier, the lowest tier of Power Five kids that can play there, right? So, yeah, when you have stacks on stacks on stacks of uh, four or five-star blue chipper Power Five players, yeah, there's going to be some difference. But, but, they act, but people are acting like the SEC up and down the board has stacks on stacks on stacks of blue chip or four or five stars versus Florida State versus Clemson. No, no, no. We've already proven again and again and again that everybody in the Power Five is getting Power Five level players. What it comes down to is how many of those top of the top Power Five players are you getting and can you stack them up? And that's how you're, and then can you develop them, right? Because you remember Texas AM literally had the, Number yeah. rank one rank recruiting class two years ago. And look what happened. 90% of that recruiting class has transferred out of there. They didn't develop them. So again, like to, to say that one conference is better than the other, it, it, I, I, your stats, thank you so much for the research because your stats just proved the point over again that it's subjective and subjectivity is ruining college football. Exactly. Exactly. And, and even when you look at the the two four seven team composite talent rankings, you know Florida State beat number five Clemson. They beat number seven LSU. They beat number twelve Miami. They beat mm. number fifteen Florida. Mm. And those are those are all top fifteen in ta most talented teams. And of course, you got you know you got some SEC teams up there: Alabama, Georgia, uh, Texas A and M, LSU, Texas. Well, future SEC, but yeah. I mean, Florida State played as many t teams with top fifteen talent as pretty much anybody else right. in the in the top four or five teams when you talk about the playoff picture. So, you know, again, man, that's another thing too. So, you look at the out of conference stuff. You look at the amount of talent on the rosters that the teams that Florida State played was just as much as anybody else. Yeah. You know, again, like you said, it doesn't matter how sometimes it doesn't matter that you have all that talent if you can't do right. anything with it in the case of texas a&m in the case of miami in the case of florida these are right. these are teams that are uber talented every year over 50 percent blue chip ratio and they don't do anything with it so that doesn't always mean right that you're gonna go out there and win just because you have the most talent and Correct. and that's just again like i said as we get ready to close this episode out i just wanted an exercise where we could openly discuss and think about things and realize that maybe the gap between the 55th strength of schedule and the fifth strength of schedule is not as wide as you might think it is. Right. And right. so hopefully that is at least what I proved to you guys today. Um, but with that being said, guys, we're going to go ahead and close this one out. We will be back with you guys for some more episodes coming up. Uh, we just dropped one uh, I did with my friend from Taylor from Norvell Central on a early signing day preview. You guys know we are. By the time you watch this, we will be less than a week from early signing day. Florida State's right. got the number three class. Maybe can maybe can they load some guys up? Can we flip Smith? Can we flip uh you know McCray or something like that and end yep. up with the number one class? I don't know. Get our thoughts on that um in, in that video as well. Some portal moves. We talked about that too. Um, I'm about to record a video in just a few minutes that's gonna drop on this channel about why I think DJ Uyunglele, DJ U. Ooh, look at you. Right. I got it. I've been practicing, man. I've been trying. Why I think he's going to be the guy that Florida State is going to yeah. end up with and why I think he could be successful in this offense. So be yeah. on the lookout for those. Obviously, get in on the conversation on social media. Like and subscribe if you guys have watched this far. Thank you to our sponsor, Alumni Hall. 
Sorry, I forget to do your ad read every time, but uh, thank you to our sponsor, Alumni Hall. Guys, Christmas is coming up. Get something for every Seminole on your list at alumnihall.com, 1817 Thomasville Road. Use code SPEAR to get 10% off your order. I'll link it in the description below. So thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you for your support. And as we get out of here, Michael, as always, as always, go, go Noles. Noles.